Hi, everybody. Welcome to the containment unit. This is Janine Melnitz. What can I do for you? Put on your bunny slippers. It's slime for the Ghostbusters containment unit podcast with your hosts, Matt and Tom. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the containment unit. My name is Tom. With me today, as always, my partner in slime, Matt Sanders. Hmm. How is it going, my man? It's going. I like how I said always, like as always, and this is the first time we've done this. Yeah, I, I was impressed. Like we've had a history of doing this. We've done one podcast together. This is our second and always. Always. Yeah. I, I think it's just because you and I are always going to be together. Um, mm. So this is our first show. Uh, hopefully you listen to the backdoor pilot on uh, Yes Have Some, uh, who are uh, sponsoring us, signing off on us, going to bat for us, taking a chance on us uh, and our little uh, podcast shenanigans here. We love those guys at Yes Have Some, don't we? We do. We do. But when you say sponsor, I like know. I would love for them to sponsor us financially. Uh, Craig gives us a lot of love and I appreciate that, but. Yeah, right now we're we're uh, we're sponsored emotionally. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Matt. You know, today for those who are listening, uh, it's not today, but for us, it's today. And today happens to be uh, February twenty fourth. In the Ghostbusters world, February twenty fourth uh, has some significance. It does. It does. Uh, it's significant because it is the passing of someone who is near and dear to my heart to your heart and so many ghostbusters fans it is the day that our beloved harold ramus passed away um i like to point out that while today is the day of his passing him and i share a birthday so i feel like even though we're several years apart we are connected through that man you won the uh, birthday buddy lottery. I share my birthday with Will Wheaton from Star Trek The Next Generation. Could be worse. Will, if you're listening, I don't mean any harm. Um, yeah, so today is the day that, that Harold uh, passed away seven years ago. Um, it's always a bittersweet day. I, I actually was in Illinois a couple weeks ago, and uh, I tried to go see him to pay my respect, but there was too much snow. Um, but yeah, I find I find I always think about him today. Uh, you know the legacy he left behind. Do you remember where you were, Matt, when you heard uh, of his passing? I do. I was at Epcot. I was. They have a, in the Seas Pavilion. They have a restaurant that my family and I were sitting, checking in, and I was scrolling through my phone when I saw the news, and it was just one of those moments where, like, I, I was have always been a Ghostbusters fan, but I wasn't actively collecting it. I wasn't in the community nearly like I am today, but it was still one of those moments where I was just struck and just silent. Like it just a, a heaviness uh, fell upon me. But how about you, Tom? What were you doing? Where were you? Uh, I was at my desk at work and I was actively collecting. Um, and we have a friend in the, the autograph hobby, K9. Um, and K9 had my, uh, his name's Anthony, but he had my, Ghostbusters poster in New York waiting for Harold to show up because nobody knew he was sick um, and he emailed me and the subject line I'll never forget it popped up on my lock screen on my phone it said Harold Ramis is dead and uh, I got it took me a second to kind of realize that 
and so I had to step away from my desk and I went out into the hallway and just had to take a minute, right? Because um, he was the first uh, pop culture icon that passed away that sounds dark, but that had meant something to me, you know, mm-hmm. um, as a Ghostbusters fan. And it was very, uh, very sad day. Um, yeah. And I think what you said that's so key to it is I think it was shocking because no one knew he was sick and he had been sick for a while now uh, that we read in the book that Violet wrote about her father. Um, it, he was he was sick for a while, but we didn't know it. So this, I think, kind of surprised us all. Yeah, and I had gotten him through the mail probably in 2010 um, and it got damaged. I still have the photo, but it had gotten damaged. And so probably a year later, 2011, I sent to him again. And Harold was always a really great through the mail signer. But this came back as return to sender. And I didn't Mm. think of it, think anything of it at the time. And so I think I probably even sent again and never heard anything back. Um, And it wasn't until years later that that I realized why it came back. And and that's because he was he was ill. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think so many movies that he wrote not only was he extremely funny and witty and intelligent but so much heart in what he put in and i know that we talk about ray or dan Aykroyd being the heart of the ghostbusters but i really do think a lot of the heart that we love in the movie was added by harold and so um he's he's to be missed for sure he absolutely is and i and i guess you know, it's our due diligence to talk about it. You know, we we loved Harold as a man, and his work uh, means the world to us. But but we're coming at this audit, this uh, podcast, and, and this initiative in the Facebook group from a autograph perspective. So, you know, Matt, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, Harold autographs on Yes Have Some, but what advice uh, do we share with those out there who don't have Harold in their collection and and who are looking to to add that key piece? Yeah, so I would say, I, I don't know if rare is the right word to describe his autograph, right, Tom? Because he did sign in person. He signed through the mail, like you just mentioned, and we're fortunate to get him through. But uh, on Ghostbusters items, he's rare. I think that's fair to say, or rarer. Yeah, I, I would say he's not necessarily a rare name, but you nailed it. He's rare on Ghostbusters, and I, I don't think that that's because there's not a lot of stuff out there that he signed because he did sign through the mail for years and he sent out Ghostbusters photos and he did premieres and all that. But I think that a lot of those pieces are number one, they're cast shots. Uh, Finding him on a Ghostbusters photo of just Egon is real tough. But also I think a lot of those items because he has passed are, are in personal collections. Absolutely. And I'm looking right now just for fun. Uh, I'm scrolling through eBay and there are so many of these photos that are signed. I'm using air quotes by Harold that are in the $37 to $40 price range. And so I would say the first bit of advice, do not buy a photo that is buy it now at $50 or less. 99.5% of the time, I think that's a fair estimate. They're fake. They're not real. Right. And and if you look at eBay right now, I haven't been on in a minute, Matt, but there's not a lot on there that's 
that is authentic right now, if there's anything. And they, they do pop up. Um, but the, the sadly, the vast majority of things on eBay, they're, they're just, they're forgeries. For sure. And most of the pictures that are on eBay are Ghostbusters shots, which we know he didn't sign as much of that as he has a director, a shot of him directing one of his many films. Yeah, absolutely. And typically, if you got something through the mail from Harold, that's going to be inscribed uh, or even personalized. He liked best regards a lot. Um, sometimes on the Ghostbuster shots, he wrote Egon. Um, you know, keep an eye out for stuff like that. A signature only isn't going to do you any favors. And and Harold's signature, uh, his his I'll say most common signature is pretty distinctive. So do your research. Um, if you're in the group in the containment unit, which we hope you are, and if you're not, search for the GB containment unit on Facebook. We don't allow fake autographs to be posted in the group. So if you see a Harold Ramis in the group, it's going to be authentic. If somebody asks for an opinion on something and it's bad, then we'll we'll absolutely comment on that. You'll be you'll see one of us uh, being the first comment that it's bad because we we yep. prove all that stuff. Um, so if you if you're looking to buy look at examples first ask in the group if it's if it's legit ask one of the moderators because we don't um we don't want somebody buying uh some piece of garbage on ebay um when his signature is is out there and is obtainable absolutely and and we've seen several of his authentic autographs come lately but just not on on ghostbusters so if you want them you can get them you just got to be patient you got to do your research uh, and so I, I think the other thing, Tom, what would you say for a shot that's not Ghostbusters? What are you looking at ballpark range price wise? I probably would say 250, 200, 250, somewhere in that range. Uh, that doesn't mean you can't get something cheaper. Um, I just know what has sold, uh, you know, in some of our autograph groups over the years. Uh, and I think that's right around the range for a non Ghostbusters shot. But again, you can get a deal. You you paid less than two fifty or two hundred for one you picked up recently. Yep. Um, it just depends: is it certified? Uh, does it have an inscription? What is it? Um, but I would say that's probably a fair price. And it's interesting too. And I think maybe my, the most recent one I picked up that was affordable, uh, and I said it on the podcast with YHS. I paid 150, which I, I think you can find a couple there. But what's interesting is that one. And then another one that's recently popped up is just his first name. Yeah. He just signed Harold. He didn't sign Harold Ramis. And I, and that I think does impact the price. Yeah, I think so. And that's an older style signature too, which we've both seen. And I, I believe we've both owned one of those in the past where, you know, it's pretty much every letter Harold or every letter Ramis. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of an earlier signature. Yep. But if now we're talking Ghostbusters item, we're, we're talking big bucks. Yeah, probably. Um, I I've sold Harold's in the past on a Ghostbusters shot. I'm not the kind of person that like crazy inflates a price, but I've sold them uh, for probably around 400. Um, but that was on a cast shot and it was only Harold on there, which means you need Dan, you need Bill, potentially you need Ernie. Um, the only solo signed shot that I have seen for sale on the open market is that one we talked about on YHS. That is probably a blip or an anomaly. Um, if that were to be up on eBay, um, 
that the starting bid of 99 cents and it's not certified, is that going to sell for $1,500? I, I would be shocked if it did, but it's hard to say that the, the character shots don't come up often. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Like, not that I'm an expert by any means, but I feel like the price that that's sold at, it's a, it's a little, it's extreme. Um, I feel like something like that probably should be in the $500 price range. But maybe I'm just saying, if you have a shot like that and you want to sell it for 500 bucks, let me know because <laughs> I might be able to accommodate that. But yeah, give us a call. I don't think uh, 1500 or uh, it was 1500 that it sold for, right? I, I don't think that is the going rate, but it was the no. first. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens, especially as we get closer to the movie and it seems like more and more stuff's shaking out of collections. Yeah, absolutely. First in a long time. If you see something, you know, don't, don't go crazy, but, but there is demand out there and there is a market and the movie's going to bring more demand. Um, you, for every one character shot, there's probably 10 cast shots uh, available. It's just, nobody wants to do those cast shots because it takes a lot of work. Getting Bill Murray is a chore. Uh, Dan right now, it's tough, um, but there's work involved in those. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I do think Harold is a guy, if you're a Ghostbusters autograph collector, you got to have him somewhere in your collection. He is that important. He's right up there with Ivan Reitman, Dan Aykroyd, as far as the forefathers of Ghostbusters. Absolutely. Essential name. Uh, you know, we, we have a long list of, of names who we think are essential. Um, people who've had a large commitment uh, to the franchise. Um, you know, one thing we wanted to share with you all today is is an update uh, on another name that um, that is is essential, but unfortunately, um, one you can't add to your collection at this point in history. Yeah, yeah, um, and that name is. Tim or Timothy Lawrence. I've, I see people refer to him as both. Uh, Tim was involved in both films, both films. Um, and uh, unfortunately, he's no longer with us, but we're working on something really cool. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But Tom, do you want to talk a little bit about Tim's involvement, at least in the first film? Because I don't think a lot of people know this. Yeah, surprisingly, few people uh, knew this, but Tim uh, was one of the puppeteers uh, for the terror dogs at the the end of uh, the first film. So when they're on the rooftop, um, the way that it's been explained to me is that you had the two dogs and you had two teams of puppeteers, right? So for the female dog or the Zool character, we had Terry Harden and Ron Harrison, and they were inside the dog suit. Uh, for the male dog or the Vince Clortho dog, we had Mark Brian Wilson, friend of the group, our, our friend, Mark Brian Wilson. And we had Tim Lawrence uh, puppeteering that male terror dog. Um, Tim's in a very exclusive club with, with the exception of the, the principal cast. There's only a handful of people that worked on Ghostbusters one and Ghostbusters two. And by a handful in the special effects world, I, I think it's two. Unless I'm forgetting. I think it's Who's Mark your, and Tim, Mark Siegel. Yeah. Mark Siegel, Tim Lawrence. Yep. That's the two I can think of. And, and not only did it seem like he went from in being involved in the first film to taking on a pretty 
big role in the second film as he was kind of like a creature shop supervisor for Ghostbusters 2 and responsible for uh, the outcome of Slimer. And he performed as Nunzio. Is that how you say it? Yep. Scolari. So he was inside the suit there. Um, and so he, he was a pretty big deal on Ghostbusters 2 and, and seemed to be loved by all the cast. Yeah, and, and he was a very funny guy. We got to spend a little bit of time with him at FanFest, Ghostbusters FanFest, and, and we've talked to him uh, you know, separately by way of the group and, and some of the other groups out there. Uh, very funny guy, very, very lovely guy. Uh, and yeah, he's all over Ghostbusters too. Jim will tell you about him being there when they were doing um, the jogger and uh, the Statue of Liberty stuff too. So he was all over the place. Right. And so here's the challenge we've had is we're working on this Ghostbusters 2 cast piece where we're getting uh, this project where we're trying to get all the cast and crew involved in bringing Slimer to life in the second film. And so how do we do it without Tim being around to sign it? And so that kind of start us, started us down um, another path. On top of the fact that Tom, you and I, like you said, we had the opportunity to meet him. We had some interaction with him through the mail and on Facebook. Uh, we have such respect for him and what he's done for the franchise that we wanted to honor his legacy. And so I, I think we're, ex I know we're excited to announce that with the blessing of Tim's family and his estate, we are able to honor him through a very special version of the Moogly Ghostbusters logo. And that logo was created by somebody who we can't seem to figure out. Uh, but it was created by somebody back in 1988 when they were working on Ghostbusters 2. And there's a photo of Tim uh, with this particular logo uh, that is inspired by him. Somebody drew a beard and glasses on it, and it became the Tim Lawrence logo. Um, and, and probably because he was all over and, and he was kind of the guy uh, everybody looked to in the creature shop. Uh, but we really liked that logo and we wanted to try to do something uh, to honor him. And, and that's kind of where we're at. So, you know, Matt, what are we doing with this logo? Yeah. So let me first say too, like, if you're the artist of the logo, uh, we, we, we tried, we tried to find you. We've talked to Mark Siegel. We've talked to Howie Weed. We've talked to uh, Robin Shelby. We've talked with Hank Mayo. We've talked to all of these guys and gals to see who did it. and we can't find you we would love to know we'd love to give you credit for it we didn't ask jack that's true that, what, if, what if it turned out to be jack johnson that'd be it might so that's going to be an email later today but um but we did get the blessing of the family to use his likeness on the logo and that meant that meant a lot to us because we didn't want to do it without them being on board but here's what this looks like is at on the project we are going to put that logo down in the bottom. And I think we said it's going to be in place of where the containment unit logo would normally go. Right, Tom? Is that That's what we right. said? Yep. So it'll be down there and it'll say in tribute or in memory of Timothy Lawrence. And so we're really excited because while he's not here to sign the piece, he's very present and part of the piece. But then we're also excited because for every autograph that's sold, on that piece, 
a portion of that will go towards benefiting the University of Florida's Special Collections Library. Because Tim, he's a, like me, he's a Florida boy. Grew up in Jacksonville down the street. I'll be in Jacksonville this weekend. Um, and they, the, his family and friends, they donated his massive collection of scripts and paperwork and 3D props from all the films he worked on. And that's a long list. Gremlins, Beetlejuice, Jaws 3D, which is my favorite. Harry outside and the Hendersons. The, outside of the original Jaws. Harry and the Hendersons. Did I say Beetlejuice yet? Because that's one of them too, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah. So um, Jaws 4. So he worked on all of these films and he's got so many things that he's kept from these films that are going to be donated to the University of Florida in their library for them to keep, to treasure, to store, to display. And so all the funds at the request of the family will be donated to that. We're also selling patches of that logo as well where uh, the patches are $11 and every bit of profit from that patch is going towards that collection at the library as well. And that's uh, the, you know, the next patch in our, our kind of series of patches. We really like those. Um, and there hasn't been, at least I haven't seen a, a Tim Lawrence patch and, and his family really liked the idea. And I think they were really touched um, by it. And, uh, you know, we had a great uh, graphic artist recreate that Tim Lawrence logo. Um, so it's really quite stunning. Uh, and we're just really, really excited to, uh, to get this project started. Absolutely. I, I can't wait because it's always Tom at the beginning of doing this, we've always part of, you know, I feel like there have been three things that we stand for as the containment. You, one is making sure people get real autographs for their collection. Two, sharing the stories and histories of the cast and crew, but three is doing good where we can. And we've done that with survivors of suicide loss in San Diego with Will Ditchendorf. And then now we're able to do this with Tim Lawrence and his family. And so we're really honored to be able to give back and contribute to good like so many other Ghostbusters franchises across the country. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of where we picked up that, that I guess, that idea a lot of franchises do do good and you know the containment unit was born out of the ghostbusters of san diego and and so this is the way that we are contributing and, and doing good um is kind of trying to document the past record history and um and like you said do some good and this slimer project is is the next project in a line of many projects that we're working on we decided we needed to have all the projects we wanted to do started ready to go uh, because the names that as we we sign uh, different signers you know we want to make sure we have everything available so we don't have to go back and and try to get somebody again um, and we got our first signing uh, already scheduled by the time you listen to this orders are still open but but act fast um, Robin Shelby uh, the woman inside of Slimer um, she's our first signer for the Ghostbusters 2 Slimer project. Um, and she's kicking us off, and, and rightly so. Absolutely. I mean, you can't have a Ghostbusters 2 Slimer piece without Robin Shelby. And so we're super excited to add her. And she's such a friend to so many of us and a great ambassador for the Ghostbusters franchise. Yeah, and Robin is a uh, fan favorite. She's just delightful to, to talk to and to spend time with. Um, 
you know, she was really on board with the idea of uh, doing something for Tim as well, you know, relating to this project, because we had kicked around, do we do something with the Scolari brothers or, or whatnot? And we decided uh, to go the route of Slimer. Um, you know, we have a few other signings uh, lined up for Ghostbusters 2 Slimer um, coming soon. So stay tuned to that. Um, but Robin orders are open now. And keep in mind that this project is only available once. So when we do these projects, we have to get them all started at the same time because we, we don't have time with all the signers that we, we hope to get to. We don't have time to go back and do these again. So if you're interested in these projects, when they're available with the first signer, that's when you need to get in on the ground floor um, if you want to participate. Uh, that being said, you know, uh, there may be another opportunity for one of our projects we've, we've kicked around um, that we did early on, but nothing to announce right now. So if you want Slimer from Ghostbusters 2, uh, place your orders in the Facebook group, the GB Containment Unit, uh, to ensure your place. Absolutely. Get on it now. And as part of every signing we do, or at least most, uh, we'd like to uh, have a conversation with the signer, um, hear about their work, uh, hear their experiences um, on the film. Um, so what we're going to do now is we're going to hand it off to ourselves again, uh, and we're going to play our conversation with the one, the only Robin Shelby. Matt, what did you, what did you take away from our conversation with Robin? Here's what I loved about it is you and I talk about this all the time, Tom. Uh, the Buenos did a fantastic job with their documentary, Cleaning Up the Town. And there's so much written about the making and the behind the scenes of Ghostbusters 1. But we don't have a lot of information about the making of Ghostbusters 2. And so in our conversation with Robin, we talked a lot about uh, her experience making the film and hearing some of those stories. Uh, the back and forth of Slimer being in the film, out of the film, and what it took for her to be Slimer. So I really loved hearing those stories because we don't see those or hear those a whole lot. Yeah, absolutely. And and not to take anything away from cleaning up the town or or the uh, the sequel to come, um, but they they could only use so much of each interview. You know, we get little snippets of their experience, and uh, what we're trying to do here is give a full picture and give each person you know, as much time as they need to, to tell their story and, and to get those experiences out there. So we will say goodbye, Matt. It's been a pleasure. This is our first episode. It may have been a train wreck. I don't know. Uh, but when we were talking about this, one of the things we had to come up with was a sign off, right? Mm -hmm. So here we go. Matt, throwing it to you. Don't be a peck. That's right. Thank you, Matt. And without further ado, our exclusive interview with Robin Shelby. Hi, you guys. I love you guys. How are you doing? Not too bad, Robin. How are you? It's It's been a crazy year uh, here in Southern California and, and the whole world. It, it has. It's, a, it's been very crazy for everybody and everybody's a little on edge and, you know, a little stressed out and stir crazy, but um, I'm grateful, you know, um, my family's healthy. I'm healthy. So I can't really complain too much. Yeah. That's, That's great. Maddie, how are you doing? You good today? Oh, I'm fantastic. I mean, where else would I rather be right now? Oh, ditto, ditto. True. Well, Robin, we, we, uh, you know, Matt and I have talked a lot about since we launched the group and, and started doing these signings. I mentioned this to you before you, you've been on our, our list of people that we dream to work with, uh, since the start. 
Um, you're a, you're a, you were, everybody expects us to, to work with you. You're, you're known in the fan base. Everyone, your, your face is up there with Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. You know, you oh, are. Oh, no, 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 no. You're synonymous you're, you're, with Ghostbusters. <laughs> you're too kind. You're, you're way too kind, but thank you. I appreciate you, that. You really are one of the great ambassadors yeah. for the franchise. You're at conventions all over. I'm trying to get you to Orlando. That is what I'm waiting for. I would love that. I would love that. I've done one convention in Florida, and it was Pensacola. Mm, not and it really was like Florida. The, it's and like it was Alabama. the heart of summer. It was like it was. It was probably 150 degrees, and I'm not like a sweater per se, but like I would leave the convention area, the hotel, within a minute and a half. I was just drenched. Yeah, yeah it's rough, but Tom loves it here. Yeah, I've been there a couple times for uh, my day job, and uh, not even. Oh, good. <laughs> at least I get to see my guy here. So. Um, but actually, that's a good segue, you know, talking about conventions. Uh, you know, COVID's made things crazy for everybody. Matt and yes. us and, and a lot of our members were avid con goers and we miss it. And you are an avid con goer. You've been to many cons all around. And um, I, I wonder, you know, does that change for you now in a, in a post pandemic world? Like, where do you see cons going in your future on the circuit? I had to cancel, I think, three or four events this year, which I'm always bummed. I always have fun. The fans are always, you know, amazing to be around and, and they're so giving. Um, I was bummed. In a post-pandemic world, you know, it's going to be weird. For anyone who's met me at a con, I'm a huge hugger. Convert. Is that going to be possible in a post-pandemic, like right away? Is that going to be safe or comfortable for everybody to to, to be the way I'd like to be with the fans. I don't know. We'll just have to like wait and see and see where we are when I go back to a con. Sure. Well, your, your manager, uh, Derek Mackey, uh, he, he kind of, he did something nobody else did. He kind of innovated this uh, virtual con with in-house con last summer. Yeah. Now it seems everybody's doing it. I've seen virtual cons from every company and it's like that started with Derek. And we were super excited because it's like all these Ghostbusters names and we get to see and hear from them, uh, you know, live. And I think that that's been a nice way to uh, to bridge the gap for the fans and give somebody, give people something to look forward to. I had so much fun. It was, they called it in-house con, I think is what he called it. And it was, what a brilliant idea. You can still connect with some people and it's safe for everybody. Um, I, yeah, I miss it so much, but it was fun to do that. It was fun to connect that way. I think that we were probably, and Matt, maybe you can keep me honest here, but I think we were kind of inspired a little bit because our, our first Zoom was kind of post, we talked about recording stories and stuff of, of the bits behind the scenes and the cast members. And, and I think that in-house con kind of showed us that it was possible and that people were interested in that. Absolutely. Well, and, and then on top of that too, Robin, and I should say thank you for helping me with Tom's Christmas gift for, with Cameo. I mean, you've been crushing the Cameo game as well. <laughs> That's so much fun to do. And and I think I said this in the cameo. It seemed strange to to make a cameo for him because we're friends. We're friends. We're yeah. buddies. We go back. And it just I wanted to make it as personal as possible because I I do know you guys and you're amazing and you've been helpful. And but yeah, cameo is cameo is great. I love it. Well, it was lovely, Rob. And I was very touched. These guys oh. didn't tell me I had no idea. I was just it popped up on my phone one day and I was like Wait, what is Robin doing in the group? <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. And uh, yeah, it was great to wish you a happy birthday. It's awesome. Great. So let's uh, let's talk about you, Robin. Now, uh, you know, a lot of people know, you know, your involvement in Ghostbusters 2 and then, of course, answer the call. But you, as far as I can tell, you started with Willow. Was that your first 
your first film project. So how did how did Willow transition to Ghostbusters? Like how did those two things bridge to each other? Well, Willow happened about a year before I was even uh, brought back to audition for Ghostbusters 2. Um, I was a troll, for those who don't know, a troll that got eaten off the bridge by a two-headed Hydra monster. My resume is so weird. It's it's really weird. But um, And then a year later, I get a phone call from my agent, like, well, they kind of, ILM, I said, I love ILM. Like, yeah, I want to go back. They have something they want you to audition for, and they wouldn't tell me what it was. And uh, I showed up, went through a few scenarios, still didn't know what it was. And then when I got the job, they told me what it was and I about hit the floor. Um, I was I was a fan like everybody else. And now this is a chance to like step into some pretty huge shoes and fill a pretty iconic character. So it was a little scary and exciting all at the same time. So you were a fan from of the original film going into the second one? Oh, of course. Oh, absolutely. So tell us about, uh, you know, I've heard uh, from a couple of your, your peers uh, about the ILM days and, and working on the film there. You know, tell us, tell us what that was like walking into that building in, in what I understand is an industrial area or, or maybe, but tell us about, about ILM and your experience there. Well, I was working with like, I knew they're the best of the best in the industry. It's like, they're the most brilliant people on the face of the planet. And for me at the time, being kind of a relative newbie to the whole situation. I was a, a kid in a candy store, like Charlie and Willy Wonka, the chocolate factory, walking through the chocolate factory. You know, it was just like, wow, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And, but everybody was so sweet. Um, they were so helpful. They watched over me. Like most of the people on the set were like brothers making sure the little sister was okay. When we were shooting, they were just incredible. So it was, just, it was surreal. It was just kind of couldn't even take it all in at the time, really. Hmm. So I, I, my, I, I know that Slimer was in the film, out the film, in the film, out the film, which created some tension, but it also created some crunch time work for you guys, right? Like I'm reading 15 hour days. How do you do that? I was not the original person that was cast as Slimer. Um, Bobby Porter, I, I believe it was, it was cast. Um, and then he was written out. Like you said, Slimer was written in, written out. And then when they wrote him back in, Bobby Porter was already working on another project. So he was not available, which made the opportunity for me to be called and be able to audition for it. So I just, I got super lucky. Um, and I just, you know, that, that's how my opportunity for that came about. Um, they just had to fill shoes and it was quick. Like you said, um, it had to happen really fast. Cause I think, I want to say I was shooting like four or five months before it actually got released. Wow. And, and, and they had to rebuild the costume to fit me. Um, the, the, the face had to be redone cause, but the body, Bobby Porter and I are, were about the same size. Um, so that wasn't a deal, but it's the, the head inside was all built to my face. So there was a mask that fit to my nose and my cheeks. So they had to re redo all that. We had to rehearse um, and we did have 15 hour days. And one day I, um, I was driving, so cute, so <laughs> cute. <laughs> I love it, that's so cute. Say hi, say hi. I will. That's okay, <laughs> so, so we, were, we were working 15 hour days and I was driving from ILM, which is near Mill Valley, back home to San Jose, California, which is about an hour and a half. So I was waking up, driving an hour and a half, working a 15 hour day, driving back home an hour and a half. 
sleeping for about four hours. And then it all started again. I fell asleep at the wheel going home one night. Um, I did. I was just exhausted. And it was, it's hard physical work. I was exhausted. Luckily, I just went off the shoulder of the road. I didn't hurt anybody. I didn't hurt myself. <laughs> yeah. It, best case scenario, if you're going to fall asleep at the wheel, um, scared me. And I went back the next day and I told him what had happened. And like, look, go home, pack your stuff. There's a hotel five minutes away. We're going to put you up and you're just going to be able to have breakfast, wake up later and not have to drive home. And it, it was a lifesaver. But again, that, that's them watching out for me from the beginning. They had no idea that I had that kind of a commute. Yeah. But the 15 hour days were just exhausting. And, so and how, how heavy was the suit while you were in it? Do you, do you have any idea? I, I didn't weigh it, but I, like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm four foot 11. And I, I, the costume probably weighed oh, like at least a third of my body weight is what I'm thinking. I mean, it was heavy. Yeah. That, it was a bigger deal than the heat. The heaviness was, was really, really a lot to deal with. It's pretty horrible. But like I said, they watched out for me. They made sure I had breaks. They made sure I was okay. And um, the shoulders took a beating um, <laughs> doing, doing, doing the job, but um, I would do it all over again for sure. Yeah, Mark Mark Siegel told us about kind of the construction about of how they designed the the actual bodysuit. It's he he said it was essentially like sandbags or beanbags, mm -hmm. and then something layered over, and it, it sounded heavy just when he was like describing it. So actually wearing it, I can't even imagine. That wasn't the heavy part. What he's describing is kind of the outer layer and the <laughs> the, the fat rolls that Slimer has. Um, the heavy part was the mechanics underneath the head, and it was all like attached to my head and the shoulders. But all the weight was, they could operate everything in that, in the face, the eyes, the lips, the nose could sniff, the eyebrows could move. Um, all those were hooked up to wires and motors. Um, and I, there's some pictures you can just see, there's like a, a metal plate that went over my chest and on my back and then over my shoulders. And it was like, it was, it was a lot. So not so much the costume was heavy, but not the worst part was like probably the, the head, the mechanics. Right. Now, there was a, uh, want to say hi? Say hello. Do you want to come say hello? Oh, say hi. Now he's getting shy. Now he's shy. Let him know I said hi. I will. <laughs> she says hello. Aw. So, uh, so Robin, you had uh, a couple different scenes in Ghostbusters 2. Uh, there he is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in Ghostbusters 2. Um, I'm, I'm partial to the bus driver scene, but... Uh, I know there was a bunch of stuff um, cut because we've seen still images from uh, some interaction with Lewis Tully. Um, yes. So is there, was there additional stuff beyond that, that that was shot that you're aware of that, that maybe never has seen the light of day? Um, there, there's a, a deleted scene where, where uh, Lewis is searching for Slimer and finds him. Um, he's like behind him and he's, and he like shoots the, the, the gun, proton gun. Um, that and there's a, a scene where I was eating chicken off the off the, the they, they hung it from the ceiling and I think it's just before that scene um but you mentioned the the bus I think the the biggest piece that that I was bummed and I think some of the team if I can speak for for them they were bummed too is Slimer picks Lewis up but he also dropped him off um when he was done and he gets off the bus to go follow Lewis to be with him to help him. Oh, that's awesome. And, and Lewis says, you know, no, you can't go, but hey, with those arms, let's go bowling. I bet you're a good bowler. And, um, and so Slimer licks him uh, and then spins off and, and, and he's gone. That to me was like, 
so much fun. And I, because he had already, Lewis, his, his part, Rick Randis had already recorded it all about two months, three months before that. So I had to take the tape of what he recorded to my hotel room and listen to it over and over. So I knew the sequence and I knew uh, his speech and when he was saying things. So obviously I couldn't see anything. So I had to know, um, but that went so well. Like the whole team worked so well in that and it turned out great, but I, I'd love to see ILM, if you're listening, I would love to see that put together. Um, that I, I, it's probably in some deep storage somewhere, but it, it was, it was really cool. I think that would have ever been really neat. It's interesting you say that Slimer licked Lewis because that's very much like a real Ghostbusters move. And so that really lends to that theory that they were trying to bring the second movie more uh -huh. the cartoon. So that's, uh, that's interesting. And he was becoming helpful. He was trying yeah. to help uh, Lewis out and go with him and, and see what he could do to help. So a little change of character in Ghostbusters 2 for Slimer there. Dude, oh, that's, that's fascinating. I hadn't heard that one before. So let me just ask a real, like, this may be a dumb question, but I just feel like yeah, I got to ask it. You mentioned the eating and the chicken. So when you're in the suit and Slimer's eating, where's all the food go? Interesting you asked that question. You know that the, he's eating a sub sandwich. I'm sure what, what, and, and that is in the film. Well, the sub sandwich that goes in the mouth has to go somewhere. And it's right up against my face. So I smelled like onion for about two weeks after that. Um, but the whole sandwich just went in, in the mouth and that, that went up against my face, yeah. That sounds that, Yeah, but, sounds But great. again, at the end of that day, oh my gosh, I was so messy and exhausted. But, but again, so much fun. It was so much fun. So, so that's where I went. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're talking 1988. And then uh, Ghostbusters 2 releases. Do you stay in touch with any of the, you know, the, the people you worked with on the film? Do you stay in touch over the years? I, I stayed in touch. I still t stay in touch who I adore, Mark Siegel. Um, he's one of the, the sweetest people on, on the face of the planet. Um, uh, Jim Fye, um, mm -hmm. I, I still am in touch with him, um, who did the Statue of Liberty, among other things. Tony Sclary, the ghost jogger. Um, and Tim Lawrence, I had been in touch with um, the whole time. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, very sad that, that he's no longer with us, but he left a legacy of a lot of really, really great work behind him. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there's some people that I, I knew, I knew leaving that I, I was not gonna lose touch with them. Yeah. And, well, I, I think for me, one of the highlights, I know, and I don't know what your opinion is of, of it, Robin, but Ghostbusters Fan Fest in 2019, so much of it was an absolute mess, but for, for Tom and I, like it was, that was the first time I got to meet you in person. You probably don't remember that, but then I, I met Jim for the first time and Tom and I had been working hard to meet Jim and he is just such this, a sweet, sweet guy, Tim. So funny. You know, he was just, he, he was brilliant, such a, man. Yeah. And to meet all those guys in person and, and you're talking about how sweet they are. Like you can absolutely sense that. Jim Fye were kind of like partners in crime. You know, we were going through the same thing at the same time, just right across from each other. There's even video of us being together while he's shooting this, the Statue of Liberty and, and Bill Murray came in for the day. Um, but we, we it just kind of, when you're, when you're going through something um, kind of surreal at the same time, I think we bonded instantly, Jim Fye and I did. He's, he's just such a sweetheart. He really mm -hmm. is. So, you know, let me ask you this. And I, I asked the same question to Jim once because um, there was a, I don't want to call it the dark days, but there was a period of time 
in the 90s where Ghostbusters, there wasn't really much going on. And then you jumped on the con circuit and kind of came back into the fandom I'm within probably the last 15 years. I'm not even sure when, but what brought you back? So you go from 88 to when you came back, what brought you back into the world of, of Ghostbusters? There, there, there is a, a girl, her name was Doreen Mulman. Um, and she was, she ran a website, a Ghostbusters website. She was a big fan. She's no longer with us, but she, she found out that there was a person behind the costume. A lot of people had no idea mm. that there was even a woman associated with being an actress inside the costume. And she kind of brought me into the fandom. So I think that's how people actually got to know the person that was in there. Um, if it hadn't been for her, I'm not sure I'm not sure it would have been such a part of the fandom. So I'm really grateful for that. Like she really, she she went to seek me out and I want to interview you. And that was the first time I had been interviewed at all about the project. And that's kind of kind of snowballed from there. Wow. So in that in that time before, was it something like trivia? You know, you're you're at a party and you're like, oh hey, by the way, I was in this Ghostbusters movie once. Was it something that impacted your life at all in the in the the ensuing years until then, or was it something that was just kind of? Oh, life it was like kind of life experience like you said trivia like if you're in the store and you saw a ghostbuster shirt be like hey guess what you know i i worked on that like yeah right sure okay <laughs> so you know, a lot of people didn't even believe me at that point but um yeah it's just i it really was kind of under wraps my friends knew my family knew but until i kind of started being interviewed and getting to meet the fans nobody really knew there was even a person in there yeah well and and obviously in 2016 that was a big a big celebration of Ghostbusters as well. So yes. talk to us about that. I know that like, it almost seems like Rob and I, that the fans demanded that Robin Shelby be in and answer the call. And oh, you're we, sweet. we were blessed in that way. I, 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 so t- talk to us about that. How did that all come together? And what was that like? Yeah, I, that's a, it's a fun story to tell. I was, it was near Christmas time. And um, the, the, the year before uh, answer the call came out, and of course I thought, oh, photography is done. There's no way I'm gonna be part of it. I really wish I would have, but what it is what it is. And then I get it, I just went on Twitter not too long before that, and I get a message from Paul Feig, who I'd never met. I had never met Paul Feig. He's like, Robin, hi, I'm Paul, and um, I'm kind of interested. If you if I have a little something, if you're interested that you could do in the film, if you'd like, let me know. And I <laughs> I screamed in my apartment and my husband, what's wrong? Oh my God, what's going on? And I told him, he's like, well, stop talking to me. Tell Paul, yes, tell him you'll do it. Um, so that's kind of how it came about, a, a, a message on, on Twitter, literally. Um, but that kind of spoke to, I think Paul was really trying to include a lot of people. Uh, it was kind of a, a I, like a love letter to the fans, I think. I think he really wanted to make it a special thing for the fans. So I'm grateful that Paul brought me in i really am and for the fans who said hey we'd love to see robin in this i think maybe he heard that i never really asked him how he knew that i existed to be honest and why he reached out but um i i'm sure the fans had a part in that and i i appreciate that so much paul he's he's another super sweet human being yes oh my gosh and the best dressed that you'll you'll meet anywhere it's impeccable he is impeccably dressed all the time and here's a fun story when i went to go i worked for a day on answer the call um compared to i was it's a day on answer the call in an air-conditioned sound booth right and i spent six weeks in a hot costume for ghostbuster 2. so really two different jobs 
really. But, and I remember I showed up, I did my work. And then Paul Feig said, you know, I'm doing some editing on this film. Do you want to want to join me? You want to watch? And I had an audition for the Gilmore Girls and I had to leave. So I had to tell Paul Feig, no, no, I, you know, I, I don't want to. And I wanted to so bad. I was just so bummed. The one day, the one day. But, uh, but yes, he's so incredibly sweet. He really is. Yeah. I love the Gilmore Girls, though. So I, I get it. I get the tension. I had to go. It's like, you know, it's like what, when you have an audition like that, you just don't, you don't blow it off. You go, you go do it. But, um, but, but Paul reached out and was going to actually have me sit with him, which I thought was, again, it speaks to kind of the person he is. Yeah. He's really cool. See, I don't know that I knew at the time going in, because I was at the premiere um, for Answer the Call. And I don't know that I remember, I don't think I knew at that point you were in the movie until I saw you walk in the green carpet. And I saw you walk in the green carpet and I was like, well, Robin's here. So maybe she's in this movie. And then, and then of course I saw the movie and I was like, oh, well, obviously, you know, that's where she's going to be. But I don't know that I knew. I, I, I think it was out there, but maybe I, I don't know that I knew. See, there, to me, if I remember correctly, there was no official announcement. It was just this rumor that uh, Mrs. Slimer, Miss Slimer is going to be, Lady Slimer is going to be in the film. And then I just remember fan, it has to be Robin. They have to get Robin to be Miss Slimer. <laughs> And I just remember seeing all this hype that way, but no official right. announcement until the credits. I was allowed, I think a few weeks before the film, I was allowed to say that I was part of it. I was not allowed to say in what way. And like the day that I, that I, I went into the recording booth, I signed an NDA and they're serious. It's like, you know, you, 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 you sign an NDA and you don't, you don't talk publicly about it at all. Um, but I was allowed to say I'm part of the film people asked and I, it was the day that I was on the red carpet, the green carpet, I'm sorry, the green carpet that I was allowed to actually disclose what it was that I did on the film. Hmm. Interesting. Is it Miss Slimer? Are they, like, do we know that? I, I'm not sure. Are they married in the movie? Is it? It's actually Lady Slimer. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I always joke, like, I think I'm one of the few actors in Hollywood that I've played my own love interest. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, you know, like I said, my resume is really weird, but I own it. It's okay. It's all good. That, that's that's pretty crazy. Uh, so that premiere was pretty amazing. It was, uh, yeah. you know, the, you know, we we love everything Ghostbusters. Um, you know, we it's a big year for Ghostbusters. Probably, hopefully, maybe this year it's going to be a big year for Ghostbusters. I mean, what a crazy year, right? crossed yeah what a crazy year um and the people that are organizing everything that's got to be tough on them mm -hmm. like in ghost court because it's a pandemic that nobody counted on and you want people to be safe but you want to get your movie out there in the right way and i don't envy them that's got to be a tough balancing act to not upset the fans but get your movie out there and do it yeah it's tough it's tough oh it is and so they, they did this, uh, maybe you have some, some light you can shine on this. Uh, hopefully they don't yell at us for bringing it up. But there was a, uh, a documentary uh, that the Buenos did. So they did one for Ghostbusters. They did one for Ghostbusters 2. This Ghostbusters yes. 2 documentary, it's been long in the works. And they got everybody to, to chat about it. Uh, I assume you're a part of that. I, that was my first big interview that I'd ever done was with the Buenos, who um, I, I liked them instantly. Another, another case of meeting somebody and we did the interview we ended up chatting for five hours after that 
with no room in the conversation. Like we just like, they're great. They're, they're a lot of fun. They're very sweet people. That's very cool. Yeah, we, we love so, yes. Yeah, I'm glad. We're, we're looking forward to it because uh, what we've learned, you know, we, we chatted with Mark uh, Siegel and, and Jim and such. We've learned um, there's a lot that went on with Ghostbusters 2 and a lot of behind the scenes that just never has really been talked about. Um, yep. There's not as much known about the making of as there is with the first film. And so every time we learn something new, um, and it, it's been quite amazing for us. And, and I know a lot of fans are looking forward to seeing that movie too. Uh, so we can kind of hear how it went, you know? So we're looking forward to seeing you there. You might find a few fun little tidbits <laughs> and facts, you know? <laughs> I think it's going to be great. I can't wait for it. It's been like, what, eight years in the making? Nine years in the making? It's oh. been a while. But uh, it's been a labor of love for them, I know. I cannot wait to see it, though. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm excited. We're excited, too. And, you know, Rob and I, I've mentioned this to you in the past. Uh, there was a moment in time where you saved my life the first time I met you at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, in 2016, you gave me a green Twinkie, and then that was the sustenance I needed to survive the day. Uh, <laughs> anyone who's been to San Diego Comic-Con knows uh, how it goes. But, Robin, you saved my life that day. Uh, no, I, I didn't. I just gave you a sugar rush. That's all. A sugar rush. You gave me a sugar high. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, I'm forever grateful. Oh. Um, but not everybody has that experience and not everyone's able to uh, get to a con where you're appearing. Um, no one, not everyone's had the pleasure to, to meet you and, and spend time with you. Um, and so that, that's where we come in. And in this pandemic world, um, you know, what we're trying to do is bring the fans and the talent together. Um, so they have something fun uh, to distract them from the horror that is uh, our pandemic right now. So right. Um, we're, we're truly thankful uh, and we're excited to work with you. Um, mm -hmm. Matt, you want to announce the project? Well, Tom, we kind of felt like having just one Slimer project was not enough. I mean, we there's so much Slimer to love. And so with Robin, we will be kicking off our Ghostbusters 2 Slimer project and we already have a lot of great names kind of queued up ready to go to knock this thing out so we're super excited about it and just in case some of you watching don't know what we do our goal is we have this great image that tom prepares and gets ready and then we have as many cast and crew from the men and women who helped bring these characters to life which like robin told you it's a whole team of people and we want to celebrate all of them and their contributions to bringing Slimer alive in Ghostbusters 2, my favorite of the films. And that project is Robin Shelby approved. Uh, I said yes with you a couple weeks ago. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, for those watching, uh, by the time you see this interview, orders will be live. Uh, projects, send-ins, photos, uh, Slimer butts, you know, whatever it is uh, <laughs> you want. I've to signed like way too many Slimer butts. I'm, I'm telling you, <laughs> there are cheeks signed all over this country. Of, I, yeah, Slimer butts, but I love I, it. It gives me a I, new I eBay you. search to save. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. My favorite part was I brought you a little Slimer uh, and you signed the butt and then you, you're like, let's give it a little heart. <laughs> There's a little heart on the Slimer butt. And I was like, all right. I kind of do that with almost everything that I sign. It's kind of like my little thing that I do. It's fun. I had a heart. You have a heart. You have a big heart, Robin. And, oh. and we have big love for you. Uh, we want to uh, thank you for spending time with us today, sharing mm -hmm. uh, your history and, and, um, and also making yourself available to the fans. Uh, yep. You know, we do this for fun. Uh, we, we are fans. Um, we just enjoy chatting with folks like yourself. That's what makes it worthwhile to us. And, 
and we know that um, in, in times like this, it's not easy for uh, everybody to connect. So uh, we're here to help facilitate that. So thank you again for taking time. And you know, it's interesting. It's like, you are a fan, but the, so many times um, in, my, in my crossing the paths of all the fans, it goes beyond being a fandom. And like, I've made so many friends mm. and you're one of them. Um, I, I don't, I don't look at you as a fan. There are many people that I've, that I've met that I keep in touch with that I don't, I consider them people that I can lean on and go to and, and call them friend. So I thank you for saying that, Robin. I, I feel the same way. You're, you're a delightful uh, person to chat with. And I always have a big smile on my face whenever we send a little message here and there. Um, and I can't wait until we're able to see each other again, uh, yes. hopefully soon. Well, uh, Robin, again, just thank you so much. We, we do have such a deep appreciation for you and your contributions to Ghostbusters, the whole entire franchise, and just being so great to your fans and being so accessible to your fans. So thank you for your time. Thank you for allowing us to work with us or work with you. And, uh, and with that, Tom, I guess we're out. We're out. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Robin. Thank you guys for having me. And it's gonna be great to work with you. Thank you for asking me. Are you troubled by autograph forgeries online? Do you collect spores, molds, and Ghostbusters memorabilia? Have you or your family been looking for a safe place to go to add to your collection? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Check out the containment unit on Facebook, Instagram, or visit us at ghostbustersautographs.com.